Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I want to welcome you today to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. And our title or theme today is the most important question for every leader. The most important question for every leader. Now, the word listen or hear is found more than 1,500 times in Scripture. The problem is that it's easy to lead for God without listening to God. I know, I've done it. Uh, That's why this is the most important question every one of us must ask throughout our days is, God, how are you coming to me? What might you want to say? You know, God, how are you coming to me? What, What do you want to say to me? Now, the way I approached leadership for years was the way uh, I think most do, which is we have the great commission, go and make disciples of all nations, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything Jesus given us. And so we're to use our resources and steward them, our talents, to do everything possible to spread the name of Christ around the world. Uh, just do it. Uh, there's no reason to pray. We know God's will, which is Uh, maximize your life and your gifts. Think it through, of course, be a good steward, but get it done. And the problem with that is uh, it's missing something significant. It's it's biblically not the whole picture. Uh, We serve a living God who's active. He's moving. He's creating. He's sustaining. He's he's doing a work. And that's why the most important question every leader needs to ask is, God, how are you coming to me? And what are you saying? Let me, let me give you a, a text to frame our time together here today, which is, it, it comes from Matthew chapter 17, when uh, Jesus is on the top of the Mount of Transfiguration, he's been transfigured, and he's got Peter, James, and John uh, there with him on this high mountain, and he's transfigured, his face is shining like the sun, uh, and he's speaking to with Moses and Elijah there. And at this point, Jesus is speaking to Moses and Elijah, and Peter, instead of listening, interrupts Jesus. And he makes a plan. Lord, it's good for us to be here. He says, if you wish, I'll put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And so Peter, instead of listening, is talking, making plans. He's just way too eager to speak. And he's talking all the while that God is communicating something to him, which is a vision of his glory. But Peter's got a really tough time listening. Uh, We all do. Peter's passion about a building project uh, he's, his idea is he wants to honor Jesus. He's thinking, great, we're going to build this here. People are going to come. The, the name of Christ is going to go out to the nations. Uh, the, the problem is that Peter is not really listening. I mean, right before the Mount of Transfiguration is when Jesus, for the first time, tells Peter and the disciples that, hey, I'm going to be suffer, uh, be killed, and on the third day rise again. He starts communicating to Peter about the crucifixion and about taking up his cross and following Jesus uh, but Peter doesn't want to go to the cross. Uh, and, you know, he's thinking, if we build these booths, we will not have to go to Jerusalem and die, and we can stay here on the mountaintops. And, and the climax of the story of Matthew 17 is when, here's Peter, he's still speaking. He, the scriptures say he's talking about these three booths, and then a bright cloud comes uh, over everybody. This is my son whom I love, the voice from heaven says, with him I'm well pleased, and hear these three words, listen to him. God says to Peter, listen to him. Now, God interrupts Peter. Doesn't even wait till he's finished, you know, because Peter's a talker just like us. And, uh, you know, and, and Peter's feverish building program is just shut down. It stopped. It's like God, some heaven just says, shut up, will you? Listen to me. Um, we too need to be interrupted. I need to be interrupted. You see, following Jesus is not first 
doing things for Jesus. It's first listening to him, uh, listening to him speak, and then doing what he says. Now, here's Peter, James, and John. These three are the cream of the crop. They're the, they're the top of New Testament leadership, uh, and they're missing it. Uh, they're, not, they're, not, they're not asking the most important question every leader needs to ask. You see, we all want a spiritual life. We just want to be in charge of it and have it unfold according to our own schedule. But the main service that we can give to Jesus is to listen, to begin by listening, because Jesus' road is a low-suffering, mustard-seed road. It's an upside-down kingdom. It's it's really tough to get our handle, a handle on. It's so counter-cultural uh, and revolutionary. And so what happens is many of us, like Peter, uh, end up making plans without God. Uh, we go on autopilot. We start working and serving. And before we know it, we're doing our will and not his will. And Peter had no idea of the plans Jesus had for him. Uh, Jesus was teaching him, and Jesus is taking him to places he'd never dreamed of. Do you know the same is true for you? Uh, you have no idea where Jesus is taking your life. and uh, But he wants to teach you, speak to you, and take you places you've never dreamed. Uh, is it scary? Absolutely, because you're not in charge. Uh, so my shift to listening uh, actually happened... Uh, after being a re- I'm talking about really listening, uh, that shift took place 25 years after being a Christian, years of being a pastor. Uh, now I would I would have told you I listened before before that, but it was half a listening, and it was in my I call it third conversion uh, when Jerry and I took this uh, monastic sabbatical uh, in 2003 for four months and immersed ourselves in a life of uh, monasteries. Uh, with monks and experienced a level of stillness and silence and solitude with God that we had never experienced before. And that's when it really dawned on me that I was like Peter, uh, talking a lot, talking a lot more than listening. And uh, God had some things he wanted to say to that. And that the most important question I need to be asking was, Lord, how are you coming to me? What might you want to say? Now, no one's been more helpful in discerning God's will uh in terms of, uh, you know, after we're committed to Scripture, of course, and open to do God's will, whatever it is, then Ignatius of Loyola. He's a founder of the Jesuits. And his voice on listening to God's voice has lasted more than 500 years. It has stood the test of time. And it's based on the verse in 1 John 4, 1, where uh, Scripture says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. So, in other words, we're going to test the spirits of, you know, different movements and discern, is this God? Is this, this the spirit of God or, or the opposite spirit? And, and one of Ignatius's most important insights is that God dwells in our greatest desires. Now, again, he assumes that you're committed to the overall direction of scripture. You're willing to do whatever God wants to ask. God says, and the question is, now what? You know, I think of classic evangelical discernment is what I was taught was what scripture say, uh, what a circumstances say, and what does wise counsel say? Uh, It's just not the whole picture. And Ignatius brings that up to me, a fourth piece, very critical, which is how is God speaking through your deepest feelings and yearnings in what Ignatius calls consolations and desolations? And consolations are those experiences that fill us with joy and energy and life and peace. And desolations are are those uh, experiences or feelings that drain us. They feel like death. Uh, Desolation, disconnect us with God. Consolations, connect us with ourselves and God and others. So it's as you're moving through the day, uh, of activities and conversations, you're asking yourself two basic questions all the time is, 
you know, where do I, where did I experience feelings of joy and peace and a sense of connection with God? Where's their consolation? And where did I experience sadness and apathy and a sense of life draining out of me? And where do I sense this? Where did I sense des- disconnection from God? Desolation. So let me just, let me flesh this out to you practically, because uh, this question needs to be applied specifically to different areas of our lives. And so I'm going to provide you with a few examples, uh, six or seven, of what it looks like in my life. And uh, let me just take a, a note of this, that uh, this began to get very relevant to me when, when I crossed the line and moved from classic evangelical devotions, which are primarily reading the Bible, uh, you know, to reading the Bible and, you know, giving God my requests and confession and adoration and worship to a daily office, which had a strong component of listening and being in communion with God. Uh, and that's why the daily office or these day-by-day devotionals are so central to emotionally healthy discipleship and the discipleship course, because we want to ground people in a relationship with God that's more than just talking to God, but actually listening and being with God. That is a gigantic shift. Now, if you're not motivated uh, as a leader, I'm going to give you a scripture scripture that will really motivate you. It should have motivated me to listen. It says this in, in, uh, it's in Matthew 15. Jesus says, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Uh, so, yeah, that's quite a truth. I mean, yeah, Peter could have built a building on the Mount of Transfiguration, and maybe lots of thousands of people may have come. But you know what? It would not have been the heavenly father who planted that. And it would have been pulled up by the roots. And uh, so, all right, it behooves us to ask the most important question uh, daily. So here's my first area, time with God. You know, I'm, I'm spending time with God on a daily basis, right? So the question is, God, how are you coming to me in scripture and, and silence today? So at times, God leads me to linger over a passage or a phrase or a text for days, even weeks. At times, he leads me to, to read a whole book of scripture in one setting. Uh, or a portion of scripture. I've been in the book of Matthew, as I've told you before, for, you know, gosh, I'm probably on two to three years now, but I've been on the cross. God has just stopped me on the passages in scripture. I've been meditating for months now on the crucifixion of Jesus uh, through the gospel of Matthew. And I just have just sensed the spirit of God just saying, stay here, stay here, Pete. And it's led me to other portions of scripture, like 1 Corinthians 1, uh, I've been meditating on almost daily uh, what Jesus, what Paul writes, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. We preach Christ crucified, you know, the pow- Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God for the foolishness of God is wiser than men's wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. And so I, I, I know the spirit of God. God, what are you saying to me? And I know he's saying, stay on the cross, you know, in terms of I'm teaching, I'm speaking to you, I'm revealing something you don't move. And I'm not. Now, I practice 20 minutes of silence and stillness every morning. Um, but I'm also always open and listening if God wants to extend that or have longer periods of silence and stillness throughout the day. Um, so I, I practice a rhythm of morning, afternoon, and evening prayer and I actually spend a day alone with God at an average every month. But yet there are seasons where I, I, I'm listening. God, how are you coming to me? What are you saying to me um, around how you want me to spend time with you in Scripture? And uh, seasons where I, I, I sense a strong pull for more time alone with him. So I just give you that example because there, there were seasons I, I was reading through, you know, those books of Scripture, hold the whole Bible. Uh 
And I prayed the Psalms for a long season. I just was praying the Psalms every day, morning, midday, and evening. And so uh, what I get, when I find myself stuck, not stuck, where does it, just, just it's, it's desolation. Uh, I'm sensitive to how is God coming to me and moving me. And uh, so that's number one. My time with God, I'm asking the question, God, how are you coming to me? And if I don't ask that question, I end up missing his promptings. And even the way I spend with God becomes dead legalism. And, uh, you know, I, I love what, I love what uh, Peter Drucker once said, uh, when the horse is dead, dismount. Well, that applies to everything in life. When the horse is dead, dismount. So uh, I've had seasons in my life in the past where I was doing, say, you know, something in my devotional time. It's actually happening with praying the Psalms. I prayed the Psalms for years. Then it came a point where it was like, I mean, I'm talking, I did it for years because that's what Benedictines do. And I'm not a Benedictine, I'm a pastor, you know, but it came to a point where I said, I, I, this is not life to me anymore. And it was just God's time for me to stop. When the horse is dead, dismount. And it was just time for me to move on from that. And I ended up, I think, in the Gospel of John or, and, you know, changed my life. So um, that's number one. Second area is my own development. You know, I have a thirst to grow and learn like a deer for water, but uh, you know, God, how are you coming to me at my in my development or growth right now? So at different stages, you need to learn a different set of skills. What worked maybe when I was pastoring a church at 50 or 100 or 500 changed as the church grew. So I, I'm always asking the question, God, who are people, you know, books, et cetera, that you want to grow me in? So uh, I've got a, a mentor in, in, you know, for spiritual form, for uh, leadership and personal formation. He's actually a PhD therapist. Uh, I have a monthly spiritual director. Uh, you know, Jerry and I occasionally would do marriage therapy and doing some work and we're learning about things. Uh, you know, it's, I've been reading a lot on, on growing older in the new family of Jesus, what that book means. I'm, I'm reading ebooks right now, a number of ebooks, uh, from Exponential. I'm really enjoying on multiplication because it triggered, uh, in particular their level five church work on, on, uh, some seed within me uh, that was very, uh, significant because I was, I planted five, five or six churches in the first seven years of us planting in New York City. Uh, and I'm always reading everything around discipleship and leadership development. But I'm actually asking God, how are you coming to me in my own development? What are you inviting me to do now? Because to take time to go, for example, see a mentor in a different city. Uh, Jerry and I at one point went to Santa Fe, New Mexico to do some therapy uh, for our marriage. We wanted to learn about uh you know, interpersonal neurobiology, trauma, and attachment within a Christian marriage. And so the way we learn those kinds of things is we actually do it for ourselves. Uh, it's not reading books or going to big, big seminars. It's it's doing the work in our own marriage, and then we're able to give that out to other people. And it was fantastic. But it's listening to God. How are you coming to me in my own development? Uh, and what are you inviting me to do? Thirdly is reading. God, how are you coming to me in reading? Uh and what are you saying to me? And I don't, I don't want to miss his promptings. So, for example, reading broadly for me is one of the most important tasks of a leader. And so the key question is, God, how do you want me to read a particular book? Am I skimming this? Or am I studying it? Am I praying it through? Am I reflecting about it? Am I journaling out of it? Are there specific ways you're coming to me regarding how I, how I lead for you out of this book or how I be for you out of this book? So right now, for example, I'm reading a book called The Crucifixion, Understanding the Death of Christ. Uh, by Fleming Rutledge. And uh, because, as I said to you, I've been on the crucifixion for a while, uh, I am reading it very slowly and prayerfully. Uh, I mean, prayerfully. There'll be a couple of lines. Uh, it'll take me to a scripture, and I may spend two days on that. 
and I'm pondering and praying that before God. Uh, I spent many, many hours in the book because it is uh, it's stimulating my own uh, process with scripture and my own life. Uh, I read, recently read a book called Pastoral Theology in the in the in the, um, um, in the in the Church Fathers in the pastoral tradition uh, by Andrew Purvis and reading about Gregory of Nazianzus and John Chrysostom and I read that book very slowly because I wanted to think about the implications for leadership and discipleship. Uh, it's been so beautiful. Um, and again, as I mentioned earlier, some ebooks I'm reading. I'm, I'm reading in a different way. I'm, 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 I feel like I'm listening to God for even as it fits into my larger discernment about raising up leaders, multiplication of churches, etc. So, so there is a sin of gluttony of words and gluttony of ideas that we can just be, be reading books, books for ideas, and uh, but some, it's a sin of gluttony. And actually, if you read some of the Desert Fathers, they talked about that. Uh, so I want to be careful. I'm not reading to impress or tweet or something, you know, or I, I'm reading for God. And again, there are books I read quickly and skim, but I'm sensitive. God, how are you coming to me and what I'm reading? And I want to even to be led by you in the books I'm to read uh, or, or look at. And much like quadrant two, Steve Covey talks about, you know, the four quadrants. The quadrant two is what's important, but not urgent. And I would say that the books that God calls you to, that are, are causing you to Provoking your spirit before God is a, is a that's a God coming to you saying slow down. Uh, it's not quantity; it's quality. Okay. So number fourth area where I, I ask the question of God, how are you coming to me? Is my the overall vision, direction, and big picture stuff of the ministry that I'm leading. Now, a leader is someone who uh, has a vision. You know. Uh, I, my favorite definition of leadership, there's many definitions of leadership, comes from Bob Beale. And it's this, leadership, a leader knows what to do next, why it's important, and then brings the necessary resources to bear to make that happen. And so uh, uh, leaders bring a vision, a vision of, uh, that, that is a picture of a preferable future. And so, you know, God, where are we going? Where, where are you going? And what does God give me to do? And, and uh, so for now, I, I was lead pastor at New Life for 26 years. Now I lead emotionally healthy uh, discipleship. I equip the church and uh, in these discipleship courses around the world uh, in training, et cetera. Uh, and the mission is very clear. I feel very clear on that. But then how do we build? And so I'm in a season right now of just love listening. And I'm listening to leaders. I'm watching what God's doing in seminaries around the country and the world and listening to millennial leaders, the next generational. And it's like pieces of a puzzle coming together. But I say, God, how are you coming to me about how you want our ministry to unfold? I know the general direction. Uh, and I would say two to three times a year, there's a significant direction turn, hire someone or an emphasis. Uh, but I want to be sensitive when the horse is dead, dismounts. Uh, so for example, uh, I have been discerning, God, how are you coming to me? I, I love writing. Uh, I write a book. Uh, writing a book is a massive project. But I've gotten very clear that I'm going to start writing a marriage, the marriage course, emotionally healthy marriage course uh, in the fall. It's going to be probably a three-year project. It'll be a book, a workbook, a DVD, et cetera. But I've been studying and teaching on marriage, emotionally healthy marriage, actually for 23 years. Uh, I only wrote one chapter on it in the Emotional the Leader book, but it's a very big project. And I, but it's been a very slow process of discernment. God, how are you coming to me about when do you want me to begin writing this book? Uh, and so I, I've, this slow process has led me to, yes, God, you're, I'm, I'm going to do it in the fall. So that's going to really affect a lot of things. 
uh, we're developing coaches to coach churches to implement the courses. And that's a whole other piece. And, um, uh, you know, for years at New Life Fellowship, you know, I, I, I what kind of church are we supposed to be and, and, and to do? And um, we always had a, a, a group in our basement that we were mentoring. We called it FIRM. Uh, we would take 14, 15 people. We'd spend the whole year with, with them and over 100 hours. And it didn't make sense logically. But I had such a sense of direction that we were going to mentor the few. And I still feel that even though our ministry is now is national, international, uh, I'm I'm asking God, how do we do the the small discipleship with the few when the people that I'm working with are around the country and the world? And so I'm asking the question, God, how are you coming to me? What are you saying? But I'm listening to those promptings. I'm listening for his consolation and desolations as I'm you know, seeking to walk out uh, following Jesus with my life. What do you have for me? Uh, a fifth area is, so, so we think of the areas. I thought about time with God. I'm asking God, how are you coming to me? What are you saying? My own development. How are you coming to me? What are you saying? What do you want me to do? Reading. How are you coming to me? What are you, what are you speaking, Lord? Overall vision and direction. Now, for me, at this point, my, the leadership that I'm giving leadership to, uh, emotionally healthy discipleship. How are you coming? What are you saying? Uh, a fifth area is Jerry, my wife, and our family. Now, because I'm convinced that God calls us to lead out of our marriage or singleness is a sign and wonder, I'm always asking, really, God, how are you coming to me? And how can I cultivate a greater oneness with Jerry? The temptation, uh, it's a limit, is, uh, you know, it could be something as simple as cooking a nice fish dinner, taking time to buy ingredients, uh, coming prepared to a meeting that Jerry and I are going to have about her area of ministry. Uh, it's led me to dates with my adult daughters, shifts in my Sabbath, stopping work early, uh, taking care of her, you know, in her distress, thinking about her, I mean, thinking about her. Uh, but I'm asking God at this season, how are you asking me to... Um, you know, what are you saying to me? How are you coming to me in my relationship with Jerry and my four daughters, and now a granddaughter and son-in-laws? And uh, but if I'm not asking, I'm not listening for what he has to me because it's, it's unfolding differently. And now that we have a second grandchild coming, another in, another son-in-law is being added to the package, and my, my children are in their twenties and early thirties, uh, so it's a different season of life. And so, God, how are you coming to me? Now I know how my family did it growing up. My parents did. That's not what I want to do. But it's not just a date night. Uh, it's a listening to God about how it's unfolding in this season with Jerry. A sixth area is my to-do list. This probably is one of my biggest things every week. Uh, uh, God, how are you coming to me in my to-do list this week? I, I, every Sunday I sit back and I, 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 I take, I'm making notes the week before for the following week. But on, usually on Sunday night uh, or often on a Thursday of the previous week, I'll sit and look at my to-do list. And because the most difficult person I have to lead is myself. And like you, uh, I've got way more things coming at me to do than I could possibly do. So the question of developing and discerning the priorities of, of the week is one of my greatest challenges as a leader. And so I work on my weekly to-do list multiple, multiple times prior to Monday morning when I launch. And I'm always asking this question, God, how? what are you saying about my priorities? And Every Monday in particular, I offer each item on my list in stillness before God. I hold it and I listen for changes he may desire. And each morning I offer to God my specific meetings and plans for the day. But unless I ask God, how you come to me? What do you want to say? Uh, you know, I miss it. The calendar and the issue of limits is my most challenging area of limits, I, I, of, of uh, leadership. I would say that the gift of limits, the truth about limits being the way God comes and speaks to us, uh, even more than our potentials and gifts, is definitely 
perhaps my greatest temptation scenario of my own leadership. And, um, and so again, my to-do list, uh, so I'm going to write, start writing, writing in the fall and add that to my life. That's a big thing. I mean, podcast, I just started this podcasting thing, you know, and here I am. It, it launched really in August, September, this past year, it's been a year now. Now a big part of my life, there's 100,000 downloads a month. I mean, that's a lot of people. It just kind of happens. They go, well, how are you coming to me through podcasting? I do Twitter. I do Facebook. And, and uh, I'm committed to that uh, as part of my own ministry. But God, how are you coming to me around what I'm to do and, and not do? And is there anything else you want to say? But this is a constant, God, how are you coming to me? And what's on your list for my week? I, you know, Carl George was a, was a you know, one of the earliest, earliest consultants I ever, you know, got to know. And he's really brilliant at it. And he consults with all these mega churches around the world. And he said to me, Pete, you know, one of the great secrets uh, of leadership, he says, you get on your knees and you put your, you have your organizational chart in front of you and you just simply pray and listen to God for each person that's under your leadership. You offer them to God. And he goes, you do that every day. God's going to save plenty. God will give you plenty of direction. So I get paid a lot of money to walk into these churches and do consulting and strategic planning and all that stuff. He goes, but really, the biggest, most effective consulting I do is I can get people on their knees and bring before God in silence and stillness and quiet, just hold each of their people before God and situations, and God will speak. That's why it's so important to be listening to your body and you know, your stomach tightening. And one of the ways you hear consolation and desolation is your ways your back is tense. And very often my body knows ahead of my mind when I'm making a bad choice or I'm going in a direction that's contrary to God's desire for me. And so listening to body, we like to listen to your body so key. Your body is a major prophet, not a minor prophet, we like to say. Uh, very key. Okay, seventh area uh, and final is board and team meetings, board and team meetings. So in my best moments, I say, God, how are you coming to me about what you want to do with this staff meeting uh, or board meeting? And so I'll give you an example. This last week, uh, you know, we have a little very, we have a very small team. It was three of us uh, in, in a meeting uh, for EH Discipleship. And uh, Ruth, our executive director, and Paul, who is a, a director of coaching, uh, for the courses around the country, and it was myself. And I had an agenda, you know, going into the meeting as I'd sent to them, uh, but I just had a prompt. I said, God, how do you want to come to this meeting? And it was very clear. It was just start with, you know, personal, per, just how are you? So I had a question, which is, how is God coming to you in your life right now? And I, what happened was so interesting. Uh, each person went and shared about their marriage. And uh, just about how their, their spouse was in a different spot than they were and how God's coming in that. It was just a beautiful, it, there was such a peace and joy in that. It probably took about 20 minutes or so. But even that little prompt of saying, God, how are you coming is is just ask that question uh, on a personal level. Uh, it just made the meeting so rich. Uh, it added so much to it. But even board meetings, board you know, preparing for a board meeting is very, very difficult. Um, very difficult because the question is, you know, it's not just reporting, it's where is their wisdom needed? And uh, there is a level of accountability, and you know each board meeting I come in and prepare, and they got how are you coming? What's the wisdom I need from our board at emotionally healthy discipleship? And um, it, we've had tremendous meetings, uh, and then even how do you structure a, a, a team meeting or a board meeting? How much time would we spend in prayer, sharing about our personal lives, planning particular issues? 
Do we, do we need additional time off-site in a relaxed setting to prayerfully talk about some larger issues? What do we do with that site? Do you want me to bring in a consultant, someone to guide us who's externally unemotional but brings a certain level of expertise? What do you want us to focus on? Uh, now I have a general template for when I lead meetings. Uh, and in particular, I'd like to start with something either development or personal. But unless I ask God, how are you coming to me? I miss his prompting. So again, this whole, this, this, this podcast is about listen to Jesus. I love when the words come down from heaven, uh, an audible voice from the Father speaks to Peter and says, listen to him. And so God says to you and says to me, listen to him, Jesus, because uh, that's the foundation of all of life. So let me invite you to cross that line into mature discipleship which is our call, and then make disciples out of our own discipleship. Discipleship is like the engine of a car. It drives all leadership, and that's our call. And our call at Emotionally Discipleship is to change the way the church does discipleship. So it's actually serious discipleship. And so I want to invite you to join us on that venture. Uh, go to emotionallyhealthy.org. You want to buy our leader's kit. You want to get trained to bring the Emotionally Healthy Discipleship to your church. Each month I do a training uh, it's something you've got to learn to do. It's so different than the way discipleship is generally done in churches. And then you want to do the course. Uh, it's a course, not a small group curriculum. It's a course. It's a serious course. And you want to join us. We really are on a, um, a mission, we believe, from God uh, to change the way the church does discipleship around the world uh, so that the glory of Christ might go forth and we really might become multiplying churches multiplying disciples uh, and pass on something to the next generation of power uh, and of weight. So thank you very much. It's been so good to be with you. I look forward to seeing you again uh, and you have a wonderful day and look forward to talking to you soon.